Welcome to the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. And it's Calvin. This is our second recording of the day. We just had a very tiny, short snack break in between episodes. Um, Scarfed down a sandwich. Calvin's eating some raisin bran. Yes. Doing it right. Delicious. Today's guest, I'm just opening a, uh, a soda here. See what I did there? I don't call it soda. It's a pop because I'm from Michigan. Um, actually, a Pennsylvanian the other day offered me a pop, and of course, of course, I accepted it because I was so happy to hear someone say pop. Oh, that sounds delicious. What you got there? Is that Birch's, dude? It's Birch beer. Yeah. For those of you that don't know what Birch beer is, it's it's non-alcoholic. And it is made from an old Pennsylvania Dutch recipe. That's what it says on the on the can. Today's guest is <laughs> Peter Nevlin. Peter Nevlin is a spoken word artist. Um, I was just like doing Google searches for other spoken word artists, and I found this guy named Peter. And then I discovered that he was actually performing like two hours away from my house. I want to say like a week after that or so. I'm like, that's weird. The guy's from Texas. I'm not even from the area, and uh, I got a few friends together, and we just went to the show, and it was at this little church. Not many people were there, but um, dude just killed it, and I've heard a lot of spoken word artists since, and um, he, for real, is, I don't know, just stands up there as one of the best ones that I've heard, and I have a lot of respect for him and his story. Um, He's an author of a couple books. A, a recent father, so we'll be able to talk to him about that stuff. Before I talk about him too much, uh, we'll just hop into it. So, Peter Nevelin, y'all. Do not put your trust in Barack Obama. No matter your inclination, your we finally got an African-American in the White House consecration or scent of perspiration, don't you do it? Because sure, he's got those big-eared good looks that no woman can deny. He's a Harvard-educated guy, and I hear he fries up anyone who opposes his health care plan for breakfast, but we all know he can't help me with the contents of my grocery list, and all those clever speech-making tricks aren't the kind of fix my heart needs when I'm feeling lonely under a crowded sky, and let's face it. Someday the boy won't be alive, he's gonna die just like you and I and all of Bill Clinton's endless stream of ladies in the night, so don't get your hopes up, alright? And while I'm at it, don't bet all your money on a bunch of horses, no matter what kind of tip you squeeze from your inside sources, cause that orange juice ain't fresh pressed, turns kinda bitter when Smarty Jones is stumbling down the stretch, and Lord knows there hadn't been a triple crown winner since the 70s, and not even the rippling flanks of the majestic secretariat of the feel-good story of Seabiscuit overcoming the odds seemed like a sure thing at the time, so save yourself the peace of mind and put your money where your blind eyes can see it. You know, come to think of it, you can't count on the weather, the attraction of your chick magnet pimpified pleather pants, an endless romance, my math skills, an endless stream of dollar bills, Jack and Jill purple pills are getting included in your grandfather's will, you know you can't trust a Fafelian when death is on the line. (laughs) In fact, it seems death is the only thing really certain, but that's completely depressing, and it turns out not even remotely true since it's already been conquered, so... What can you trust? What if I could stop the rain?
Harness the clouds. If the breath from my mouth sent innocent children playful dreams, wrapping them tenderly in the warmth of snuggly sheets. What if my fingers dripped the dew? Knew every flight of the soaring eagle, gave it food, could change the mood of the hopeless, the defender of the fatherless, opening blind eyes, including the ostracized, healing the paralyzed. What if I can make the dead come to life? And what if I left all that power in the skies, just so I could be your friend? No matter what it cost me in the end. What if I limited myself to the frail form of my own creation, risking rejection, hurled insults, pointed spears of suffering, inhuman torture, being left alone by everyone? Just so I could see your beautiful face again. Would you trust me then? Yo, fellas. So crazy. Last time I saw you, I mean, I guess life was really crazy for me, but uh, yeah. for you, you weren't a dad, and now you're a dad. Oh, oh. Yeah, right? It's crazy, isn't it? It's wild. Uh, and uh, yes, you know, there's a, I mean, of course, there's a, well, there's some story there uh, that's more, you know, it's like, it's not, you don't just get the awesomeness of the child. We also got the journey before it where there was some you know, hope and then crushed hope and grieving and stuff. And then we, and then we got pregnant again and everything, you know, was, was wonderful. But even in that, yeah, there's always trials and tribulations in the middle of all the joy and the, you know, wonder and happiness of it. So it's been, been a cool, cool experience. I don't know if I ever mentioned it to you, but I just found you on some like random google search for spoken word artists um, i think that's what you told me because i asked you at that show i was like how the heck did you find me and then why would you drive a couple hours to you know see this guy i was like dude dude looks legit so loved it and it's been cool to just kind of track with you since then so um can you kind of share like who you are these days um and what do you do as a guy yeah it's pretty basic. I'm a I'm a husband uh, to an amazing woman who's probably the most talented and beautiful person that I've ever met. Um, and then I have a son who's ten and a half months old. He's our first, and he is incredible. His name is Kaz K A Z. He stands for Kingdom Ambassador of Zion. And uh, you know that was a combination of very. Uh, spiritually prophetic words and coming up with uh, silly names on the toilet. Um, you know, I love how the collision of both the uh, completely silly and also the uh, uh, highly spiritual come together <laughs> like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and he is, uh, I don't know, I mean, I don't have to talk too much about him to get me to start crying. You know, just thinking about how, how precious he is and how... He just, he wins people. He's, he's one of the cutest babies I've ever seen. I mean, obviously as a dad, of course I'm biased, but <laughs> we, we pretty regularly, we walk down the street and people will just stop us and crowd around us and just gaze in awe at this little guy and go, oh my gosh, he's so cute. You know, airplanes, uh, he charms everybody on the airplanes. He's so well behaved. He's been on 12 plane flights already. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's probably the, and then, I mean, the other thing is i guess i'm on going on a uh what is 38 year 
love affair with Jesus. Um, and, uh, you know, talk about it. It didn't have to take me very long to get me to start crying thinking about how he is. Because I don't know anybody, even, you know, whether it's my wife or my son or anybody who loves me like he does. I just haven't found anybody better. So, Are, are you still doing like the, uh, the writing workshops and uh, performing poetry here and there? Yeah, well, so um, last November, actually, well, it's probably a little bit before that, but we just felt like uh, we were processing, you know, the upcoming year with the, you know, uh, impending birth of Kaz, and and uh, we felt like God was moving us to take a year's break from performing, from teaching writing workshops, and also to give away as much of the uh, work of my marketing consulting business as I possibly could. And the marketing consulting business was giving us good, steady, you know, uh, monthly income type of deal. And it was growing. And at the same time, uh, then the, you know, performing and, and stuff would provide a little extra money, but it was mostly, you know, just hitting the needs of our hearts for adventure and creativity and stuff. So that was kind of a hard thing because, you know, when you, when you work so hard at, at uh, getting out there as a spoken word artist, um, to lay it down like that feels like, oh no, we could lose all momentum and, you know, no, I may never do this again. Um, but I felt just encouragement from the Lord that like, Hey, he wanted to, he wanted to uh, just bless us during this year and that he had plans for afterwards and we could trust him and stuff. And so we don't know exactly what those are, but, uh, but I just feel like, you know, that God wants to do something. He wanted, he's been teaching us about resting in him and that's cool was like we gave away uh, a decent chunk of of work and money uh, to do that. And then it was like right after that, this big, huge client came in, which the only way I could take care of him was take care of them was to uh, have a new model where I didn't do the work. And all I did was, you know, kind of manage the relationship and that's continued. And we're essentially, we've, I guess we've about uh, somewhere close to tripled our income uh, with me doing maybe half the work that I was. That's before. crazy. Wow. So it's kind of cool, you know, and I kind of wonder, it's like, man, why don't we ever take God up on that whole offer of having a Sabbath year of rest where he says that if we do that, he'll provide for us uh, in the year that it's happening and then the year following when we're building back up and getting momentum. So I don't know, it's been pretty amazing. Um, and we're and it's it's been good because we just, you know, having a child – it's it's beautiful. It also exposes all the little cracks in the foundation of your marriage, and and so lots of stuff that we're working through and and being more united. And yeah, that's kind of where we are. But uh, yeah, I still I'm still writing a, a bunch, um, and uh, and I still host the Austin Poetry Slam once a month. But that was like the bare minimum as far as what I do. I don't really I haven't performed hardly at all. Uh, and I think I, I did, it's funny, like, it's funny you guys contacted me because I did like one interview just a couple of weeks ago where another guy from England contacted me. Hey, I've got this podcast. Would wow. you, would you like to record on our podcast? You know? And I was like, wow, it's been years since I met you, Sam, you know? And so I did. And, um, and that was cool, but yeah, so that's kind of where I am right now. Kind of coming close to the end of that year of rest. So I don't know what's going to happen next year. Right on. I th- it's cool. Yeah. I mean, just kind of maybe foreshadowing a little bit of what you will talk about. Um, 
but that seems to be kind of a theme of God kind of calling you to lay down things that are going good um, to take you into something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So before we get into that, uh, Peter, can you share a little bit of like how you came to, to Christ um, and where that walk's taken you? Yeah, well, I was a little boy. I was really little. So obviously, 38-year love affair. I'm not, you know, 65. Maybe it's not obvious. I don't know. But uh, I'm 41, so I was three. And uh, I don't even remember the actual moment. Uh, I guess I was at a Sunday school, and um, and I prayed with the Sunday school teacher to receive Jesus. Um, I know that I remember there was a time when I was seven that I wanted to make sure that I was following Jesus. Um, I grew up in a church where it was a, you know, raucous, non-denominational, um, lots of dancing and worship services, like the worship portion of the church service uh, pretty much always lasted more than an hour. And there was, I remember times when we had two and a half hour just worship portions and the whole would end up sometimes being, it was always three to three and a half hours, but sometimes it's four and a half hours or so. And there were times when you felt the manifest presence of God in the room with, you know, it was about, I guess, about a thousand people or so. And it was it was amazing to learn about God's desire to be with us and his, you know, when he shows up, he affects our emotions. He um, is kind and gentle and tender and majestic and just all the forms of that. There's wild celebration and there was complete silence sometimes um you know s- s- dancing and lying on the floor and everything in between and you know and adventures into music and learning you know i learned that no matter how i was feeling whether i was i dealt with a lot of rejection in school i was usually the uh smart kid in my class and uh and i i had this desire to help my other class late classmates by when they got confused trying to explain what the teacher was having trouble explaining and some of the there were a couple classmates that really enjoyed that (laughs) and the rest of them uh, really didn't like me for it and took me a while to figure out how to uh, share and not and sometimes not share what I you know really thought other people needed or the right things and all this kind of stuff right so and I was real I'm still real sensitive but I got uh you know, got my feelings hurt, I guess, pretty badly through all that. So, um, uh, yeah, I was, you know, God, in the times when I was crying and feeling like, why should I keep living if, you know, I'm going to do the right things? But the reward that I get is, uh, uh, you know, people treating me poorly and stuff like that. Um, you know, when those thoughts came in and I cried myself to sleep and stuff, it was, it took a while, a lot of conversations with my parents who loved me through it. And, um, you know, but God met me and, you know, started showing his love, started healing that part. And the funny thing is, is the place where I felt the I was most scared of rejection is like now I'm pretty routinely up on stages, like completely unafraid to be as crazy and loony and wild as possible as I'm performing spoken word and stuff. So that's been a long, you know, journey through, through, you know, uh, high, you know, uh, through school and then into college. And, and going, moving from, a, I guess, what could be seen as a very sheltered, you know, Christian life where my whole family is Christian and, 
and uh, grew up in church and all this kind of stuff and went to a Christian school to starting to go to public school and then going to uh, University of Texas in Austin where like hardly anybody was a Christian and and having to learn how to speak a, a, the language um, that resonated with people who'd never gone to church and hated it. Uh, and so making friends there and learning to, wow, sometimes I receive prophetic words from God from people that don't know Jesus. And I mean, it's this long journey. And then I, I was, you know, finished a master's degree, was an engineer, and then I left my job as an engineer to, to uh, be the spoken word artist because I felt like God was had given me this thing that I didn't ask for that was better than any things that I was asking for. And, uh, and I felt like I really wanted to do this full time. And then I made a deal with God. God gave me better than what I asked for. I left my job at Motorola in 2002 and toured the world for six years with a guy named Paul Finley as a duo called uh, Spoken Groove or Acoustic Spoken Groove or whatever. Peter, Paul, Mary, his guitar was Mary. Anyway, we did that. And then 2008, we stopped touring together. I started touring more solo, started this marketing consulting business, was uh, teaching writing workshops in schools. And um, so then my wife, you know, she we, we got married in 2011 and she became part of this whole crazy wild adventure with me. And so we performed some together and and some with me solo and so yes that's kind of in a that's probably the shortest that i've ever told my <laughs> told my story but there's a lot in there it's definitely been an adventure with god and um yeah i'm blown away at how he sticks with me despite how many times i screw up and um yeah so changes a lot of people's lives so yeah that that was the one thing that really did stand out with with me uh what you just said about like the current state of things uh laying down um some good things with the marketing consulting business um like i, I thought of you leaving Mo- motorola and everything um yeah. so so what yeah, yeah. what was uh what were some more details of that journey i mean i'm I'm assuming it wasn't as simple as god just putting on your heart <laughs> i need to leave here and then okay i think i was i was very uh analytical and my mom always said that uh, I guess I was, you know, 14 going on 40, uh, very cerebral kid, planning out everything. You know, in eighth grade, I get a book of the 300 most, in, you know, selective colleges to plot out my my path to, you know, college and career and all this kind of stuff. And God kind of, you know, was like, okay, that's that's a nice plan, Peter. I got something better for you. Um, so when I was in, I was an undergraduate at UT. And some uh, some one night, I'd been exposed to like you know giving prophetic words. I had this gift for um, hearing God's voice and then speaking prophetically to people. And I'd heard from uh, this guy. He's now the pastor of Gateway Church, which is a pretty big church in Dallas. And his name's Robert Morris. And he's I would go with him on these prophetic trips. And he told me, he said, you know, you know, it's easy to hear God's voice, but delivering that message to somebody in a way that they can receive it is just as important, if not more so, than hearing the word. Um, and he said, so when you hear something from the Lord, you need to think about developing it so that, you know, writing it out or, or speaking it out in a way that they can, they'll be able to take it and put it to practice in their lives. So I was doing that with him, and that was where I kind of was first writing. I was writing out these messages. And so when I was in my dorm room off at UT, these words popped in my head this one night, and I thought, oh, is that from the Lord? I don't know but it's kind of cool. I'll write it down. So I started writing it at the end. 
I didn't know if it was a prophetic word or whatever, but I knew that it was looked like a lot like poetry. <laughs> and I was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, that was fun. Started playing around with words. And um, that was 1990, well, 1994, spring of 1994. About four years after, um, I had about 40 pieces that I'd written, some good, some bad, whatever. And there was a, a arts festival that my church was putting on and they wanted to make it a serious one so i thought well i'll submit some of my poems and uh they got accepted and they wanted me to read them out and so right before i read them out i thought you know i could just read them out and that'd be kind of boring or i could sort of act them out and embody uh what's ha- what's happening in the words so i did that kind of you know i don't know if it was good or or not as far as my acting was concerned but uh definitely struck a chord with people and they, you know, people really liked it. And, um, you know, and I thought, man, that was fun. I felt like alive. And, um, and I realized I started doing that and I started putting, uh, you know, getting these ideas to put, make an album. I didn't know how it was going to happen. It was like right after that, this guy goes, Hey, I got all this recording equipment. You want to talk about maybe recording some of your stuff? And I was like, where'd you come from? You know, <laughs> you know, so so it was like that, and I started getting opportunities to either, you know, perform my stuff with bands or started going to poetry slams and just investigating this. And at the same time, I was getting my master's degree, finished that, and and, um, and then I started working at Motorola as an engineer. And, um, uh, you know, but at the same time, I was, you know, <laughs> I was whipping out slam poems uh, in cubicles hey, check out this new thing that I wrote the other day. And I'd tell somebody, it'd be a few, you know, a couple minutes long, and they'd all be laughing or whatever. Oh, man, that was deep or whatever. And, and um, it started merging these worlds of the creative and the, you know, analytical together. And um, so, you know, I I think I, I had said, uh, I had realized, I guess maybe it was three years after, so this is probably like 2001 or something. So I was like, man, when I'm up here performing, I feel like I feel like all of me is alive. I feel like this is what I was made for. I feel like I'm home on stage more than anywhere else, which is kind of a weird thing to realize when you're in the middle of running around in circles performing some poem. But that's what I felt. And, um, and so I was like, man, God, I really want to do this full time. So I said, okay, I'd, Motorola had... They, you know, they're still not doing all that great, but they weren't doing well then either. And so they had tried, they'd made these deals with their top talent to stay. You know, we'll pay you money if you'll stay for two years. And if you leave before two years is up, you have to pay us back, you know, the money. And uh, so I was like, okay, God, I made a deal with them until the end of 2002. So I'm going to leave then. You got to provide for me because I think that you want me to do this more than I want me to do this. You know, because like God gives us dreams. He's probably been dreaming them before we've ever been dreaming them and dreaming them bigger than we do, right? I mean, that's just the way he is. He's like that. He's cool like that. So so I started believing that, and so I made a deal with them. I was like, I'm going to leave at the end of the year. And I said, and if you want me to leave sooner, you got to make a way so I don't have to pay them back the money that they paid me to stay here. You still got to provide for me. And um, so anyway, it was uh, not too long after that that I found out our factory was going to be shutting down. <laughs> and everybody else was getting was getting uh, you know opportunities to go work other places in Motorola, and I didn't get one interviewed despite being you know quote unquote top talent. And uh, I was like, oh, 
they don't like me. And I was at this like uh, conference with some guys, and this guy, I was asking these guys to pray for him, and he goes, hey, I just feel like God wants to say that he's got something way better than what you're currently at. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I made that deal with God. And then I thought, wait a second. If I tell them I don't want to go anywhere else in Motorola, they'll lay me off. Then I don't have to pay them back the money they paid me, and they'll pay me more money to leave. I was like, oh, crap. God gave me better than what I asked him for. I guess it's on now. <laughs> and so uh, so I did that. I was probably the happiest guy to get laid off at Motorola. <laughs> I was like, thank you guys for the opportunity to work here and learn from you and all this stuff. And they were like, you know, we've been escorting everybody else out of the building. I don't think we have to do that with you, Peter. So, uh <laughs> Anyway, if you want to get your stuff, and I was like, I walked out all skipping and then, you know, started trying to book shows and realized how hard this was going to be and got really, really scared. Like, what have I done? And battled that fear for about six months. But God just kept saying, hey, keep going. I'm going to bless you. You know, I'll take care of you. I'm with you. And wasn't anything big and powerful, you know, for a guy who you know, loves hearing the voice of God, prophetic words for people and stuff. I was like, God, can't you say anything more profound? <laughs> you know? And, uh, Spell like it somebody out for can me. make that up. He's like, yeah, right. It's like, yeah, but God was like, yeah, no, nah, you know, it's me, <laughs> you know? So anyway, I just trust him and he's just keeps showing us little, you know, giving us little steps. And it was me and Paul together. He kind of threw in his lot with me and, you know, there were there were definitely tough times. I mean, I had years where I made about seven thousand bucks in a year. Um, wow. You know, and I had years where I made, you know, I think I maybe maxed out during that time of something like you know twenty eight grand that I made in a year or something like that. It wasn't like high on the hog, but God always provided for us. And man, I'll tell you, you know what? I had so we had so many people take us into their homes. Josh, you're one of them. You know, uh, give us meals. Um, you know, uh, befriend us, encourage us. People would give us gifts, you know, financial gifts out of the blue. God took care of us, right? And uh, it was amazing. It's been, it's, you know, it's been an incredible journey. And, and you know, and I was pretty, you know, I had issues that, you know, would, uh, you know, threaten to derail us pretty badly, you know, whether it was my relationship with Paul or maybe, you know, temptation because, you know, I didn't have a girlfriend or, anything but now all of a sudden all these girls give me all sorts of attention so dealing with that dealing with my own struggles with lust and you know pornography and you know god delivering me from that and keeping me from destroying a lot of people's a lot of people in the process and um yeah that's a lot of yeah this is a crazy thing i'm i'm really glad that you know i didn't become justin bieber famous or something uh, so quickly because that would have that would have just destroyed me probably well kind of like it sort of destroyed him and I don't know maybe he's coming back or something whatever you know so yeah and somehow you know I got a I got a, about seven years ago I got this kind of year break from touring when when uh, you know Paul said he's, he's like I'm not gonna you know we're not gonna we can't tour together anymore I want to pursue pursue some other stuff and. About that time is when I, you know, met Vicky and we got married and and then, uh, yeah. So it's been a wild, wild ride. 
Sorry, I just keep talking. You have to ask me more questions if you want me to stop or something. I don't know if I said the right things. Oh, the good, things. I mean, as long as they're true things, you're good. I think it's just awesome that God like calls us into things and like gives us opportunities, even when we're far, 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 far from perfect with youth ministry back in the day when as like a youth leader, I was struggling big time with lust and with pornography. And I just remember so many times just being like, I don't need to be here. I'm I'm not in the right place. And that was a prayer a lot yeah. where I was just kind of like, all right, God, like, I don't even know that I should be in this spot of leadership. It just, just praying like, do you want me here, you know, um, or should I just yeah. step away? One thing that was huge was I actually did have friends and other youth leaders that yeah. they they knew what was going on, you know. So um, it wasn't trying right. trying to hide those parts of my life, but at the same time, it was just like a, that's the big deal. A huge tug was just I, like I feel so unworthy of this, you know. But in His grace, yeah. in His I don't know, I, I say stupid, absurd grace because <laughs> I I don't understand it. There's so, there's so many times that just like man, if it were me. I would be like, yeah, Josh, you have you have like 12 more years to go until you're in a place where you can actually play this role in people's lives. But just the fact that he's just like, no, I've, you know, this is what I'm calling you to and this is where I have you makes no sense to me. But yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, Jesus says, uh, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke up so it's kind of like an initial i'm give you rest but then he says take my yoke upon me or take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i'm humble and lowly in heart um uh, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and you will find rest for your souls so there's this element there of you come to jesus and he he starts showing you what it's not just what he wants you to do, but it's the things that are going to form you. And a lot of times the things that are going to form you into something that looks more like him are, you know, giving to others, getting your focus off yourself, loving others and being forced to love people in your imperfections. So you have to rely on him. And as you do that, he gives you rest for your souls. He's with you. But, you know, I think it's a you know, we're so often thinking that we're called, you know, God calls us because we got something really, really special. Or God calls us because, you know, we uh, we kind of are at a place where we have stuff together and we're not going to mess it up. But, you know, the scripture is pretty clear that you're both, you're both imperfect and you're also perfect. At the same time, you are seriously ugly and flawed with sin and you are beautiful and amazing and god loves you exactly as you are and thinks you're you know the coolest ever and you're his favorite you know both those things at the same time um you know and that's why that's why it's so amazing and we can't figure it out we can't figure out the mystery of why does god love me like this and yet he does and he sees me like this but then as we start to keep receiving that from him the more that i the more that I receive God's creativity in my life and, and pursue it, the more that I realize how beautiful he is, but also the more that he opens my eyes to see how beautiful other people are. And, you know, I can love them easier and accept their problems and issues because, hey, I've been forgiven. I've been, I keep being forgiven. You know, I got this, I wrote this thing recently 
uh, about the all the things that I'd learned in the eight months since my son had been born. Then there's a line in there that says, uh, I never realized how much you love me, Mom, Dad, God, friends. You, uh, you keep staying with me despite all the times that I've trampled on your love for me. You know, I can't believe you're still here. <laughs> you know, mm. so thank you. And that's true. You don't you don't make it without friends. And and I didn't. You know, I was I had to fight a lot of times because being out on the road, you get separated from people who've known you for a long time. And uh, and so every time I came back to Austin, came back home, I'd have to, you know, I'd reach out to all my friends. It's like I had my own marketing campaign just to get keep friends, you know, and uh, and to stay open and honest with people that I could walk with. You know, I got an amazing brother who lives here. Um, I got other friends who are close to me, so I could be open and honest about my struggles. And while I was on the road, I tried to be as open and honest as I possibly could with, you know, whatever leaders that we were helping or whatever people we were staying with. And, and uh, yeah, you don't survive without uh, people loving on you and taking care of you, that's for sure. So, Peter, um, in in terms of, like, uh, when we talk about, like, let God die, being, seeing God, like, in one way allowing that perception to die off to like see him for who he truly is. Um, what what would you say is the the biggest like change of your understanding of maybe the character of God or what it means to follow him as related to your story? You know, I think whenever growing up, I learned what would, would be the right things to do that either were the right ways to follow Jesus or the right ways to honor my parents, or the right ways to worship, or the right ways to do all this stuff, right? I was very focused on those things. And, you know, the older I get, I notice that God, He doesn't seem, and and you got to, you know, hear me as I'm saying this, He doesn't seem to care about me doing things exactly right as much as He cares about me wanting to stay close to him and wanting him to be close to me. And um, this thing that I discovered, and this is kind of weird, you know, like you read that very first temptation that Satan pulled on us, right, in the garden with the snake. And and the trees that are put in contrast, this writer named Moses set these, set these things up and he named them what he named them for a reason. It's supposed to to generate stuff in your mind that tells you a lot about, you know, and connects with your story about what we're tempted to do. And the trees are, one's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the other one's the tree of life. Now, I don't see in my human understanding what anything could be bad with knowledge of good and evil, but apparently Adam and Eve weren't ready for it. And, you know, because the knowledge of good and evil, and actually, if you look it up, it means the knowledge, everything between good and evil. So it's like complete knowledge of everything. So if you got knowledge of everything, well, wouldn't you be able to make the right choice? That really is what our culture believes, isn't it? And that kind of comes down, you know, we think it, you, you can see it, you can trace it all the way back to the Greeks kind of came up with that idea. Perfect knowledge would equal perfect decisions, but it's probably before them because look, it's right there in the garden. What's the other alternative? The other alternative is is not, you know, correctness. The other alternative is life, the tree of life. 
And it's amazing. Jesus kept calling people. He kept, he didn't call people to follow the law perfectly. He called people. He called people to follow him. He called people to himself. And he said, "If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. If you're hungry, come to me and eat. You got to actually eat me and drink me." And people are like, "That's weird. How do you say that? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Right? Apparently, he thought he was that much of a badass, like the best one ever." He, he thought he was that amazing, because he was, he's God, um, that if we come to him and we listen to him and follow him and receive his love and receive his goodness and his kindness, that he changes us. And that's what I see is like, for so long, I've been, a, you know, trying to tell people the right way or even trying to enforce people, you know, it's just like, you know, my, my marriage, I try to, you know, I see the flaws and and my wife, real easy, right? And try to, you know, hey, let me help you walk free from those. Well, for whatever reason, that just doesn't uh, seem to resonate with her as well as when I just love her the way that, you know, the way that she is right then and let God change her and let God convict her. So I see that happening with me and, and I keep getting moved out of that, this, this culture of Christianity, which is probably the little g of God, right? And into this love affair with Jesus that causes me to be able to love other people, and um, and just accept them where they are. And I got you know we're at the poetry slam. It's like a lot of people hate Christianity and maybe just you know are out on God and stuff like that. But they're our friends, you know, and people from all walks of life, no matter what if they're, you know, it's people who got who are straight and have issues with adultery and people who are gay and, you know, who aren't having any sex. I mean, you know, who would identify as gay, whatever. I mean, they're our friends. So how do we love them? Jesus is, Jesus is loving them. He's blessing them all. He's blessing me. And so how do I, how do I love people so that they come to him and let the Holy Spirit convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment? You know, it's interesting when he says, I was just reading this uh, yesterday, and I read it again this morning. He said, I'll convict the world of sin because they've rejected me. So that when you reject Jesus, that's sin. And then he says, I'll convict the world of righteousness because, because I'm going to the Father. So in other words, the Holy Spirit's going to show you what real righteousness looks like. It's going to show you what I look like. That's righteousness. You want to look at what's what's really right? It's what Jesus looks like. How does he love people? How does he... Uh, you know, submit to his father? How does he, uh, you know, show kindness and tenderness? How does he stand up and fight against injustice? You know, as he did, we need to learn from him. And so, and then he says judgment, and he doesn't convict us of judgment because people are going to get judged. He says he convicts the world of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. He's like, that's a good thing. You know, <laughs> like we're going to win. That's awesome. You know, Satan's getting taken down. He's been found wanting. And uh, and so it's like when I when that happens, I start getting filled with joy at who he is and the sparkle of his eyes. And that makes me right. And that makes me want to, you know, tell everybody I can how good he is, because when I'm just telling them about how good he is and what he's done for me, I'm not forcing anything on anybody. 
They get to make up their own mind, and I let the Holy Spirit do his job. And whether he brings them then or whether he brings them later, it's him doing the work. And man, then it is just amazing joy. And I just see God wants to bless us. And so so often he pours out his love on us. And when we receive his love, we just get to enjoy it more. And when we try and do it our own way, we don't enjoy it as much as he wants to enjoy it, uh, as much as he wants us to enjoy it. So that's this big, huge theme. I think that, you know, God keeps taking me further up and further into. I heard it often said that, like, it's not our job, of course, to, like, be Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin, but it's our job to manifest Jesus. And out of that, you know, people see the fullness of what God has freed us to do, and they desire that for themselves. So, like, yeah, Yeah. it takes the pressure off of, like, I guess, evangelizing in a sense of, like, making people see it, but... If you're living it, they want something they can live. They don't want something they know because they already know enough. There's a lot of smart people in the world. And yeah. like you said, if we had to cure our own sickness, we wouldn't be sick. But they want to see it. Yeah. Oh, when he gives us the Great Commission, right? That's that great evangelism push. Most people think the Great Commission is go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I've commanded you. They think that's the Great Commission. You know, they missed the first part and the end part. The first part is all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me by my father. So go. And then the lesson, he says, and I'm with you until the end of the age. Well, if Jesus isn't with us and if he doesn't have all authority, that's a crappy commission. (laughs) But if he's with us, if he's with us and he's going to love people through us and love us at the same time, Man, then the world starts to get made new again, you know, and he goes, I'm making all things new. And he starts doing that through us. Now, that is exciting. And I don't want to forget that part that he's with us. Right. And that that relieves us of all the pressure that we put on ourselves to do it right. Let him do it right. (laughs) You just receive from him and give it as much as you can and be willing to get really humble when you screw it up. And ask for forgiveness. And you don't win all those battles in the immediate term. But in the long term, his forgiveness is a time machine that goes back and rewrites history. And it rewrites our present. It rewrites our future. Man, what a good, good God. Can't beat him. Falling into the mindset of like wanting to do things right. Um, when I was like a young teen, thinking that it was more about like self-improvement. I'm not sure if that's exactly the direction that you're thinking, but um, but there is so much that was just like, all right, I have these bad habits that I want to be broken of. Um, like I have, right? I don't know, like just whenever I just do something that was wrong uh, and not even like necessarily sinful, but just like things that were maybe not, not preferable personality wise, that was just like. I want to like yeah. work on that thing. So it was just like so much working on myself um, and thinking mm-hmm. that it was about that, thinking that it was about having the appearance of Jesus instead of having the intimacy yeah. with Jesus. Yeah. What helps set you free from that or break you out of that rut? Um, a lot of different steps. Um, but a big thing, God just opening my eyes to what it means to actually live in him. Um and uh, yeah. I, I think also just seeing a lot of people in very like unconventional ways uh, love me and uh, just like yeah. show Jesus to me 
in ways that I had previously thought like, oh, that doesn't really line up with how I thought like a, a good Christian would act or like what a good Christian would do. Um, but just kind of seeing that I had kind of like boxed expressions of God into such mm-hmm. a, a tight mix that yeah. uh, I wasn't really seeing the fullness of who he was. Um, I was living in a lot of like bondage and um, I don't know, just mm. not, not in the freedom of him at all. Um, cared a lot about what other people thought and how it was being conveyed, how I was portraying myself. So there's just a lot of things, yeah. but I'd say probably like in my mid twenties, that was when things like really set in, in a real way, just yeah. in a way that I previously didn't understand it. And I see a lot of like steps leading up to that. It's interesting. Both the things that you said at the very first one, God opening your eyes and other people loving you are things that require very little work on your part. The work is in you receiving the revelation and receiving the love. And, uh, you know, that's how it's like, that's how God changes us. And that's the hard part is like, are we going to be humble enough to receive or do we want to keep fighting on our own? Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. pretty cool. It just seems there's a lot of insight in that, it seems like. I feel yeah. like the Christian life is a constant everyday growing to basically live surrendered to God's love. And um, yeah. there's a message that a pastor that I listened to preached about, and he basically said there's a lot of Christians who are very, very convicted of sin. They're more sin conscious than they are righteous conscious. And righteous conscious, right. conscious being the fact that they're not seeing themselves the way that God sees them, but they're seeing themselves and viewing life through the lens of, like, the carnal lens of who they used to be instead of who God has made them. Is that you should have a higher conviction of God's love for you. You should be convicted that God loves you. And out of that conviction comes like surrender. And out of that surrender comes yeah. the ability to receive that love. And then from receiving go. that That's love, awesome. living out of it. Preach it, Calvin. I like to think about it. It's like, you know, when you live with Jesus and you got the Holy Spirit alive in you, you you look like a better speaker than than you would be otherwise. You know, you look like a more awesome warrior than you would be otherwise. I'm pretty sure David was like, yeah, I'm okay as a military general, but I just listen to God and he makes me look way smarter. And, (laughs) you know, he he makes my fighting technique better. Like the more I tune into him, the better I do. Uh, I think that's probably the same. You know, I think about my best moments and they're usually the ones where I, you know, was trying the least uh, and had nothing, you know, wasn't trying to prove anything and was just uh, cared about, you know, cared about the people in the room and, and how to uh, bless them and, and, and even more how to, you know, whether the lot or not the Lord was happy, mm-hmm. you know, what I was doing. And man, that's when, that's when stuff happens. That's powerful. Thinking about like a lot of the times that I, I've seen it on the giving side and the receiving side, but I'd have someone going through like a really tough time in life and I'd be thinking like, I just want to say what's right. Like want to say what's right. Like really, but truly being like, all right, God, like I don't want to say anything unless it's you. Um, and so many times that like whatever came out of my mouth was not me because it was my, the first time I had ever heard it. Um, and it was just like, all right, that was like right. Holy spirit led. And it was like <laughs> truly legit. 
on the flip side of that, yeah. there were times that I said the quote unquote right thing that I was just like, this is what you say in these situations because it is right. And it was, Bing. yep, total, <laughs> total mess made. Um, and even though it was true, quote unquote, and right, um, didn't help. There was no compassion yeah. in it. You know, it was just, it was the right thing. Um, and uh, yeah, on the re- receiving end too, I can remember a lot of right and true things that were said to me, like while I was going through my divorce, for instance, that I walked away mm-hmm. from so many conversations just being like, all right, I'm not going to get bitter at that person, but what the flip? Like, were they thinking saying that? Um, <laughs> You're not talking about me and you at Applebee's at one time, are you? Well, the, the cool thing is... Um, I don't really remember specifics of our conversation, which yes, is, <laughs> I remember. I remember you were there, and that you and your wife both. Though I loved seeing you guys, and there was part of me that didn't even want to go mm-hmm. see you guys because I was just like, I don't want to see anybody right now. Um, but I walked away like knowing that you guys loved me and that you cared for me and that you guys would be there. So. Um, so, yeah, there there are some people that were there that said stupid things, but I remember those things. So, I don't remember anything stupid coming out of your mouth. I just remember you being there. So, yes. so apparently, oh, you, right. apparently you didn't. There's so much focus on uh, having the right answers or having the right mindset that sometimes we, we miss that. It's not about that at all. It's just yeah. about having the heart of Christ, yeah. expressing the heart of Christ um, and letting him speak through us or tell us to shut up and actually just be. Yeah. It's good, man. It's good. I want to do that more. Mm-hmm. I just want to, you know, live in his presence, and be more aware of that. Right. Mm-hmm. More aware of his presence and receive as much as I can. Yeah. So uh, we'll kind of get closing out here in a couple, but Peter, yeah, I was just thinking um, also with your story, leaving Motorola, um, yeah. really like, doing a lot of things that I, I would think are not like the right things that you would do in life. You know, they're not exactly the things that, you know, provide security, you know, like all these things that we're, we're taught and led to believe are the main things. Yeah. It seems like a theme, you know, I mean, and I think that's the cool thing is God, God seems to be uh, helping me do those things without me being able to process them and figure them out. Mm-hmm. And what I find is when I do that, I really, my brain rests. That's the stuff that when I'm just letting him take care of it, I rest. And uh, that's the place of rest that I need. And, and he gives me peace that doesn't make sense. And along the way, I get to explore all sorts of wild and wacky and weird and creative and fun things and have adventures that kind of defy my expectations. <laughs> I always come back to like, yeah, do I want what's good? Do I want what's even like great for my life? Or do I want what is God's desire for my life? You yeah. Know? yeah. I mean, there are a lot of good things, you know, out there that in and of themselves are great. But if they're not, sure. if if God's not in them, you know, then they're just things. Yeah. He's the one, the only one that can actually make them truly good. But, but thanks a ton for sitting down and talking with us. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. You know, love being able to uh, talk to 
you know, other spoken word performers and writers and producers and, you know, guys doing really cool stuff. So thankfully you guys thought of me. For sure. Um, is there a place that people can go to check out stuff that you've done in the past? You could go there right now. It's a little bit sad because I haven't done much of the website recently. It's SpokenGroove.com. Um, probably the better thing to do, if you want to find my stuff, you go look on Amazon and iTunes or really just about anywhere else in the digital world. Um, I think in England you can find uh, one of my books in stores. Uh, but I've got like eight albums out there. I've got a couple books um, out there. I think you may be able to find some of the merchandise like on our SpokenGroove.com website. But there's also YouTube has lots of videos that I've recorded, uh, some that you've produced, Josh, and some uh, produced by others. And um, Yeah, but the, the most recent thing that I put out was it came out uh, last year, perfect timing, right before, uh, right before we went on this year rest. <laughs> I released an album and and uh, and had a book that had come out before it called Exposing the Psalms. And uh, so, if you want to check that out, the it's probably the album is like twenty one, was it twenty one artists, uh, three continents, and took two years to to record and produce and stuff like that. And it's it's pretty awesome. It's like my only album that I actually listen to on a regular basis, and my son loves it. So. That's good. Hey, so uh, my wife likes it too. So it's also it's also good. And the the album is long along the same theme of like about the Psalms. Yeah, it's it's called exposing the Psalms also. So what we did was we, I went and researched all these Psalms. There's 30 of them in the book that I focus on and um, trying to bring out the meaning, the story behind them, and in lots of different creative ways. And then I wrote. A spoken word piece to each one and then instead of just going and saying i'm going to produce my spoken word piece um i went and threw this out to a lot of other artists musicians and said hey you want to create something new you want to just put music behind these words do you want to rewrite something with me you know do you want to do a collaboration whatever you want let's create something together and so we all these different artists who came up with stuff um and so it, there's this it's got a consistent theme throughout it, but there's a lot of different styles involved, and it it really like you kind of go, you feel the psalms alive again. They're not just you know kind of being read on a page. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, break forth into songs, singing before Him, for He is. You know, it's like it's not that kind of psalms. You know, it's, I want noise. <laughs> you know, I want a song. I want it loud. I want a throng of drunken revelers, mad men rejoicing, hooting, hollering, happy, lifting up a shout of victory. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, hearing that kind of songs come to life and some of them was singing. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, we got, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I'll, you know, all sorts of different musical styles and different, different people singing that can sing better than I can. Uh, you know, lots of talent all there. So anyway, it's cool. Exposing the Psalms. Yeah. You can find it on iTunes, you know, Amazon, wherever. Book and CD. It's good seeing you guys, at least on video. And hopefully I'll see you again soon in person. Give you big hugs. For sure. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. We'll talk real soon. Later, brother. All right. All right. I think, uh, I guess Peter's life kind of goes to show what it actually looks like to live a life surrendered 
to the goodness of God. And you can only do the things that he was doing out of a place of believing that God is better. Yeah. And uh, when you're in a place of surrender to God's love and living out of surrender to God's love, it makes those types of decisions not so hard. But understanding the fact that, like, like there's no end to God's goodness, and you're a- actually able to rest in that, and from that place receive the good things that he has for you, because you're not fighting him on what to do. He's not pulling teeth to get you to, like, walk with him in the simple things, but... Yeah, like, I guess more of anything, living surrendered to God's goodness is what produces that type of, like, peace. Yeah, for real. Yeah, because, I mean, he was he was doing really well at Motorola, and then <laughs> for, for, for him to give that up, you know, like, doesn't make any sense, you know? And then, I mean, even in the past year, doing good with his writing workshops and poetry and consulting stuff, you know? I don't know, to kind of put that off to the side and step away that's that's all risky risky stuff that doesn't make any sense unless i mean to me it doesn't make any sense unless god's in it and directing it and going to do right. something with it so it definitely challenges and encourages the heck out of me you know just if god's calling me to something not to be analytical about all right like how's he going to provide what's going to happen here you know but just to step out um, in faith, knowing that, all right, if he, if he says it's good, like, I don't need to question whether it's good. Like he said, it's good. Yeah. That's the final word. Like it's good. Because of Jesus, like we can have as much of the father as we want in each step that we take towards that. Like he honors. Mm-hmm. And like, of course, like it says, like without faith, it's impossible to please God. And also like we have to believe in our hearts that he earnestly, like he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And, like, with those two things being in effect, like, we, we're free to pursue as much of him and to have as much as him as we want. Depends on what we would, I guess, view important, what would be most important in our lives, I guess. Well, yeah, hopefully uh, you were encouraged by Peter's talk and, uh, I don't know, hopefully challenged um, just to maybe think about what God's leading you towards. If there is an area that he's leading you, you know, to just step out. In faith, knowing that uh, it might not look the way that you'd prefer, but but yeah, he's got you in his hands. We'll put a link to his stuff in the description of this episode, SpokenGroove.com, if you want to check us out on LetGodDie.com for the study resources for the podcast, um, for videos, any of that stuff, that'd be great. We appreciate it. Thanks again for your time, guys, and until next time. 